Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on August 14th, 2023. Have you seen Oppenheimer yet? If not, I suggest giving it a whirl. It is not often that I feel a movie has uh, accurately explored and represented the moral developments and dilemmas of a historical figure, but I gotta say, I think this movie did it well. Let me also plop a disclaimer in here to fully admit I went in with rather limited knowledge of the father of the atom bomb, but either way, it was a great film that got goosebumps from me many times, made me feel emotional in reference to historical events, and I walked out of that theater with only one critique. It was too damn loud. But that is all I have for Tavis's simplified movie reviews. Two thumbs up, give it a watch, but I know it's not what you're here for. You came here for the biggest news and most revealing statistics within the world of energy, so let's get to it. This has been a decent past week for commodity prices. Last week, the price opened at about $82.40 and dipped early morning Tuesday down to $80, but it didn't linger, no. It bounced all the way back up to $82.40, and then some continued past a full recovery. Wednesday and Thursday, it spent time between $83 and $84, but lost strength settling around the high $82 range by Friday. Already, we've seen some strange volatility as we've experienced three separate valleys down to $82 this morning, and it looks like we're on our third peak to settle out around $83. Still a wee bit early in the morning to see where exactly this stuff falls, but at the moment... We are exactly where we were one week ago today, but that is good news. While we have seen some steady increases over the past few weeks, I'll take a sideways trading pattern over decreasing, especially at $80 oil. Let's hope that this time next week, we're snug up against $85. Brent has the same price action, but the spread has shrunk a bit and is now at $370, which is lower than we've seen it for a while. This is good news for American exporting, so let's hope we see it shrink just a bit more to keep that pressure on. Natural gas is starting to get a little sultry, starting to show a little leg. On Wednesday, it jumped from $280 to $3 and sat there. Sadly, all good things must come to an end, but it is still holding at $280. We have the most gentle upward trending slope from February to present, which makes me feel very good about the winter. Perhaps greater demand will accelerate that trend, but it all depends on how well companies are able to secure resources for the winter. Overall, things are looking decent in this department, and I think we should move on before my big fat mouth jinxes everything. Next up, the rig count. The count fell five more, bringing the US total to 654 rigs, which is 109 fewer rigs than we had this time last year. Basin stats were abysmal, as they have been for four months, but we got one rig back in the Yardmer Woodford, which brings its total to one. Other than that, the Eagleford is down one, while the Permian fell two, along with the Marcellus. Not a ton of changes on a state level, as Oklahoma is obviously the only state up one. Otherwise, Louisiana, Pennsylvania, and Texas were down two. The Gulf had been doing well recently, but lost one in the most recent count. This week, we saw most of the rigs that were laid down were making horizontal hole and looking for gas. Though, one vertical rig did go up, which is kind of rare anymore. Not really sure what to say. At this point, any more talk is just beating a dead horse, and with each strike, we lose another five or six rigs. In fact, this is the fifth week in a row of a decline, either five or six rigs, meaning that 14 out of the past 15 weeks have been negative rig counts. The change in those 15 weeks is a 101 rig decline. Keep in mind that the year-over-year -year total is a 109 decline, meaning 15 weeks have dominated 52 weeks of change. 
Not a great statistic. Either way, EMP companies will clearly be waiting until the prices are much better before we start drilling anymore. Our last statistic is the inventory report. Check out the written version, Thirsty Thursday, on www.rarepetro.com. Two weeks ago, we had the absolutely stupendous drawdown that set a decades-long record. The most recent report is a little bit less than desirable, as we built 5.85 million barrels. Strange considering the build the EIA predicted was one-tenth the size. The API exhibited similar behavior, but at a smaller scale. They predicted a quarter million barrel drawdown, but ended up reporting a four million barrel build. I'm not totally upset yet, as it would take a little more than three of those builds to wipe out that biblical drawdown we saw back in the report before last, so let's just keep our fingers crossed and hope something good happens in the following report. The EIA did release crude data, but left us high and dry in the arena of distillates, propane, and fuel. I'm not sure why. The least I can do is get into some of that fuel pricing data, as we can probably make some sound predictions based on which way that has been moving. If you don't recall, gasoline supply has been going down, but of course, the price has been going up. On average, gasoline is just a couple cents more expensive than it was last week, so that's a big slowdown from what we've seen in recent reports. Diesel, on the other hand, is getting way more expensive, as it is now 13 cents more expensive than it was a week ago. Month over month, diesel is almost half a dollar more expensive than it was, at about 47 cents. The unluckiest drivers are located in California, as they are averaging $5.15 per gallon. Those in Mississippi are likely still complaining, but they have it best at $3.32 per gallon. Based on these numbers, I imagine gasoline supply is likely only going downward, but maybe at a pace that is decelerating. Hopefully. Like I said, the EIA is lacking some data, so make sure to keep your eyes peeled for fresh data on Rare Petro's weekly Thirsty Thursday report on www.rarepetro.com. I'll let you guess when it comes out. That is all we got for our weekly stats, so next up we'll get into some news stories, and I can't lie, one of these is actually kind of a stat. We've now got some results of the OPEC production cuts, now that we're about a month out from that change. The whole OPEC group is now producing just 50.7 million barrels per day, which is about 1.2 million barrel per day decrease from last month. This is the lowest level in nearly two years, only outperformed by COVID, of course, and it's nowhere near that. Since the year began, the OPEC group is down 2 million barrels per day. People outside of the OPEC group have increased their combined production by nearly 1.6 million. I know I'm throwing out a ton of numbers, but just know that OPEC has successfully decreased the world supply in 2023 by around 400,000 barrels per day from start of year to now. Of course, Saudi Arabia is almost single-handedly responsible for all of this decline, as they have cut 968,000 barrels alone. Alright, I think we should probably move it along because uh, I, I don't want to drown everyone in data. I just wanted to provide a quick update and highlight just how much power OPEC truly has. Remember, that power only grows if cooperation grows with Russia and China. We've talked about it a little bit, but Iran is getting even feistier in the sea. Now the US and the UK are warning ships to be cautious as they travel the Strait of Ormuz. Quote, the International Maritime Security Construct is notifying regional mariners of appropriate precautions to minimize the risk of seizure based on current regional tensions, which we seek to de-escalate, end quote. Commander Timothy Hawkins, spokesman for the Byron-based U.S. 5th Fleet, said this weekend, UK Maritime Trade Operations, or UKMTO, 
part of the Navy, said, quote, All vessels transiting are advised to exercise caution and report suspicious activity to UKMTO. These warnings are not unwarranted, as Iran has been on a hot streak of harassment this year, and, well, for about a decade in the past, but things are certainly accelerating. Let's hope for the sake of innocent people in the middle that nothing gets too violent. Lastly, the UK government may be skewing some data. Last week, the Department of Energy published a joint paper with the Net Zero Organization. This report, titled Electricity Cost 2023, suggests renewable energy plants, think wind and solar, would have a lower cost over their lifetime when compared to conventional gas-fired plants. After releasing the paper, some people began double-checking the math. They discovered that the carbon price assumption was three times higher than the current carbon price assumption in the UK. Now, before I go on, I might need to explain carbon pricing. It's typically associated with conventional oil and gas projects or even industrial activities at this point. It's a concept that attempts to wrap in the future cost of the carbon impact any activity or product might have. For example, the damage to crops due to climate change, the increased health care costs from heat waves and droughts, along with the loss of property from sea rise. I'm going to keep this show objective as I can and just leave you with that definition. The paper tried to justify its math by saying, quote, For fossil fuel plants, the total carbon price up until 2030-31 includes illustrative estimates for the UK ETS price. Carbon prices are significantly higher than the assumed in the previous report from 2020, which has resulted in an increase in LCOE for fossil fuel plants. LCOE being the levelized cost of energy, of course. After being shown proof of their inflated assumptions, they responded, whoa, these estimates were just illustrative assumptions and not government projections. That was a quote. Well, without the woe, and that the analyst estimates were, quote, based on crude and simplified assumptions, end quote. Not exactly sure what party they are shirking the blame on, but too bad for them. Sounds like it's probably net zero. Either way, the government also announced a $35.5 million increase in government backing for renewables. This brings the UK's total contracts for a difference budget to $288 million. I imagine that report was used to justify the decision, but I would rather just see a project be erected without subsidies so we can get to the bottom of this. And, lucky for us, BP will be constructing two subsidy-free offshore wind farms in the Irish Sea, so we might just get some answers. But ladies and gentlemen, that is all I have for today's episode. This has been a fun one, and surprise, actually released on Monday. If you enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. If you're more of a self-described intellect, though, go ahead and check out www.rarepetro.com, where we push a ton of content. As a matter of fact, we have a periodical being released on the 15th that explores something our Canadian audiences may be especially interested in, so be on the lookout in our periodicals section of the website. Plenty of time to learn, and we would like to have you along for the ride. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.